Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to this fourth and final class in the series called Complete Unity for the Thames Valley Churches of Christ 2023. This might be the deepest of all the classes on the topic of unity, and I think it's the hardest to teach, and it might be the hardest to hear. Now, it's tough to teach because this angle on unity we're going to be talking about today can be easily misunderstood, and I'm very conscious of when it's scratching the surface. And it may also be difficult for some people to hear because it may trigger trigger some memories of ungodly experiences of the topic we're discussing. discussing. And what we're talking about here is this, that unity, Christian unity in our groups depends on mutual submission. Mutual submission. And that submit submission word can be very troublesome for many people. But what I think we have to reckon with is the fact that submission is spiritually enriching or we wouldn't see Jesus modeling it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. We might need to be re-educated as to what biblical Christ-like submission means, but it is something we don't need to fear if we understand it correctly. Now, because of the nature of the topic, because it's sensitive, and because I hope to, you know, teach with compassion and not just what I believe is in here, uh, this is more like a devotional than a teaching class, perhaps. At the end, I have some questions that you can talk about in your local groups, so you can explore this topic and the significance of it for unity. So with those thoughts in mind, let's take a look into the scriptures as to the connection between submission and unity. Let's start with Jesus. We should always start there, shouldn't we? Submission to the Father, that's the way Jesus lived his life, right? In John chapter 4, verse 34, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. In John chapter 6, verse 38, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. I love John 12, 28, where Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. And then the voice comes from heaven. I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. You see how they're, they're, they're completely united about the desire for the Father to be glorified. We know it wasn't easy for Jesus. In Matthew 20, chapter 26 and verse 39, he goes to the Gethsemane, he prays, he falls to the ground and he asks the Father, please take the cup away, yet not as I will, but as you will. He wrestles in prayer. Indeed, he must have done a lot of that. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says that during his time on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions, uh, fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him. So this wasn't easy. This submission in his human form to the Father was not something that was, uh, he wasn't on autopilot. He struggled. He had to pray. It wasn't all, wasn't simple and easy for him, which helps us because our submission to the Father and one another is not always easy, is it? Let's face it. By the way, we should bear in mind that the submission that Jesus displayed did not make him weak. He was no pushover, was he? He wasn't a doormat. Nor did he submit to unhealthy authority that tried to bring pressure upon him at times. Jesus and his Father were completely unified. Jesus submitted himself voluntarily to the will of the Father even though it cost him so much ending up on the cross. So how was he able to do this? How, how does someone achieve this level of extraordinary submission? Well, I would suggest that it's because he was fully secure with his father. Fully secure. He says in John chapter 16, verse 32, you're all going to leave me and you're going to leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone for my father is with me. His family left him. His disciples all left him. He said, even though I'm alone, mm, I'm not really alone. The Father's with me. And that was enough. That tells you so much about what it meant for him uh, to have that relationship with his Father. 
in Matthew 26, he says, uh, my father, if I ask him to, will give me 12 legions of angels to look after me. Now, he doesn't call on him to do so, but he has that security knowing that's the power the father has. And he would use it for me if I asked him. In Mark chapter 14, we see another aspect of his relationship with his father in verse 36, when he calls him Abba, father, dad. There's an intimacy there. His father is powerful and his father is close to him. Abba, father, everything's possible. So all through his life, we see this security from the time that he was in his father's house at the age of 12 to his father's acclamation of him when he's baptized to the prayers that he offered up to his father when he hung on the cross. Jesus tenaciously trusted in the father through every phase of his life, every challenge of his life. He had that security and surely it is that that enabled him to be so submissive. He was confident of his father's company, confident of his father's power, confident of his father's approval. It was that security that enabled him to live a life of submission to the Father's will. Their unity was an outcome of their mutual love. If we're going to see uh, submission to one another in a Christ-like way, we've got to understand how much God loves us and how secure we are. Because we can afford then to be wronged, to be misunderstood, or to be unappreciated, just like Jesus managed, managed that because he had that uh, security with his Father. So what does this mean for you and me and our groups. Well, let's talk about some things the Bible teaches about submitting to one another. So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, the classic uh, phrase is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He doesn't say whether that's about leaders and non-leaders, older and younger Christians, men and women. He just says submit to one another. Every Christian is meant to be one who is willing to and active in being submissive to the others in their congregation, in their fellowship. That's, that's, the, that's part of the ethos. That's part of the air we breathe. It's the atmosphere. It's the culture that we're in a place where we submit to one another. We delight to do that. We turn up at our meetings, our family group meetings, our church services, thinking in our heads, how can I be in submission to my brothers and sisters here today? Or when we meet someone for a coffee or whatever we're doing, how can I demonstrate a Christ-like submission? This is going to unify us like nothing else. No structure can, do, can, can create this kind of unity. No kind of uh, actually teaching in a way. It's got to be an attitude, an attitude of I want to be in submission to my brothers and sisters as commanded by God and as demonstrated by Jesus, having that servant heart towards one another. There are other passages that talk about submission, like Hebrews 13, 17. It talks about having confidence in your leaders and submitting to their authority. That doesn't mean submitting to everything they say you should do. Submit to their authority when they're using it in a Christ-like way. They keep watch over you. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, that slaves should submit to their masters, which you know, is a challenging thing, I am sure, to do. Or in 1 Peter 3, wives are called to submit to their husbands. Whether that's a universal command or one that's contextual is another discussion for another day. But nonetheless, they were at least were commanded to submit. So we have this uh, situation where all Christians are meant to submit to one another. But in certain circumstances, there are particular ways for people to submit to one another, slaves to masters, and in this context, wives to husbands. So we have to figure out what that means in our groups. 
In what way does we submit to one another on a mutual level where we're all the same? And in what way might we submit to one another in other ways if someone's leading the group? Say, what kind of submission is that? That may be a slightly different kind of submission to the kind of mutual submission in Ephesians chapter 5, though I think it's of the same type, but its expression is going to be a little bit different in those different circumstances. First Peter 5 verse 5, uh, those of you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Uh, now, we should make a couple of points here. No follower of Jesus is exempt from submitting to other followers of Jesus. Some members of households are specifically reminded to submit because of local church circumstances, I would suggest, and cultural pressures of the time. But even those who are not specifically called to submit in Scripture, like husbands aren't called to submit to their wives specifically, although it's included, isn't it, in Ephesians 5, but still they must do so because all Christians are called to submit to one another. And the submission called for is based on a trust in God. It's not, I can trust you, so I'll submit to you. It's, I trust God, so I will submit to you. Because we do our submission, as it says several times, in the Lord or in Christ Jesus. I'm submitting because of Christ and the Father, not because of who you are or because you're worthy of it or because I can trust you. Hopefully I can, but I don't submit because I can trust people. I submit because I trust God. Richard Foster, in his book, uh, Celebration of Discipline, which I highly recommend, sums up all of this with saying that revolutionary submission, which this is, commands us to live in submission to human authority until it becomes destructive. We are not called to be in submission when the outcome would be destructive, whether that's in the world or whether that's in the church. That's something that's a bit of a judgment call, but that's why we need community to help us to figure that out. Biblical submission, this is very important. Biblical submission is not about who is in charge. Jesus never get, never goes on about, oh, okay, you're in charge, you're in charge. More likely, most of the time, he says, why, why are you even talking about who's in charge? Who am I and what am I doing here washing your feet? If I'm doing this, your discussions about who's in charge are not only meaningless, they're against the whole spirit of what I'm about and what Christianity is really about. So biblical submission is not about who's in charge, who has the power, who makes the decisions. It is instead about modeling Christ-like submission to one another. The kind of submission we're talking about is laid out most powerfully and poetically at the beginning of Philippians chapter 2. And I just want to take us there for a, a little while. This is a passage I meditated on a lot the last, this last few days when I was away on my spiritual retreat. And it's worthy of a good amount of study and thinking and prayer. And we haven't got time to do it justice today, but it might be something for your family group to read through, meditate on and discuss as to what light this sheds on what it means to have a culture in a Christian group where mutual submission is the norm. So the example of Jesus is brought up here. Uh, if you have any comfort from his love and he like tenderness and he you know, be like-minded. And he talks about not having selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, consider others above yourselves. Not looking for your own interests, but each of you for the interests of others. And then he says, it's you, you got to be ha, have relationships that are affected by the mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Uh, he made himself... Nothing. Another translation says he emptied himself. 
taking the very nature of a servant, made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself, became obedient to death, submission to the Father, even death on a cross. And then he says that God exalted him because of that. And this is the example that's being held up to the Philippians and I think is held up to us. This is what it means to be in submission to one another, is to not hold on to our advantages and our privileges, not to stand on a ceremony, not to think we're more important than anybody else, but instead to think about the needs of other people. Paul has a vision for the, for the Philippian church. He really loves them, but they definitely have some issues with unity, don't they? He talks about them needing to stand firm in the one spirit in chapter 1, verse 27. He asks them to be like-minded in chapter 2, verse 2. He, he challenges them on selfish ambition in chapter 2, verse 3. He talks about not looking after your own interests in chapter 2, verse 4. He challenges them on grumbling and arguing in chapter 2, verse 14. He says that everyone looks out for their own interests in chapter 2, verse 21. And he pleads with some of the members there to be of the same mind in chapter 4, verse 2. This is a very normal fellowship. We all have times in our fellowships when this kind of thing is going on. We're not really loving each other, not really concerned for each other more than for ourselves. And this is when we need to read a passage like this, meditate on it, discuss it as a group, and reset. Reset that culture, reset that atmosphere to be one of mutual loving submission because we trust God. Jesus is the focus of the whole letter of Philippians. Unity is a thread, but that's not the point. The point is to be more like Jesus. We're trying to create a culture in our groups where we have that loving unity because it's Christ-like. Not so we can say, oh, look, we're unified, or oh, look, we've cracked this. We no longer have any problems with disunity. That's not the point. That, that would make us proud and, and, and focused on ourselves. Instead, we're asking ourselves, how can we relate to each other more like Jesus? How could I be more like Jesus to you and you and you in my group? And that requires a willingness and a practice of submission. And that's part of the package. It's, it's an essential part of the package. So unity with Christ leads to a concern for each other's well-being that creates unity among us as his brothers and sisters, his family. So I've got a few questions for you and then I'll wrap up. Firstly, something you could discuss in your group. What do you think biblical submission is? And what is it not? Might be interesting to discuss that. What is it? And what isn't it? Biblical submission, not the world's idea of submission, not religion's idea of submission, not perhaps what you've heard about, but what, what you understand from the Bible. Secondly, what helps us to submit to one another and what makes it difficult? What helps in our groups and what makes it difficult? Thirdly, how can you personally and the members of your group grow in healthy submission to one another? What would that look like? What actions might you be able to take? And fourthly, how will grasping this issue of submission and learning about it and practicing it, how will it help your unity in Christ, your group? How will it help? What difference will it make for your unity in Christ? So we want to be thinking about this. Instead of we're not going to have unity until we agree with one another, which is one way some groups approach unity. We've got to agree with each other. We've got to have the same exact opinions about everything and every doctrine and every way in which we live our Christian life until we all fully agree on all this. And sometimes a passage like this is used wrongly. You know, be of the same mind. 
be of the same mind here is a command. But to be of the same mind isn't you have to agree on every single thing, every disputable matter. He's talking about having the mind of Christ. Be of the same mind. The mind of Christ is what he's talking about here. That submission to one another, that love for one another, that self-giving, no matter what you get back. If you get anything back, it's a bonus. But that's not what we're in it for. We're in it because we love the Father, we're secure in him, and thereby we're capable of being submissive uh, to, to our fellow brothers and sisters, whether we receive anything back or not. So rather than we're not, we're not going to have unity until we agree about everything with one another, that's never going to happen, by the way, anyway. And if we try to force it, it, it doesn't work. It blows up in our faces. Rather than that, the question should be, or the point should be, we're not going to have unity until we submit to one another. No group, no group, doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter what our background, doesn't matter how long we've been Christians, if we don't learn to submit to one another in Christ, we are not going to have Christ-like unity. That's why I say I think this is perhaps the deepest and most challenging of all these classes on unity. Perhaps you think otherwise, and that's fine. And I'd be very interested to know what you think about this connection between submission and unity. It's certainly there. Am I putting it across well, uh, uh, healthily or not? I, I'd like to know what you think. So drop me a, uh, an email, malcolm at malcolmcox.org. But I do believe we're onto something here. Uh, the, the way that Jesus wants to do the will of the Father, he's in submission to the Father. That's a model for us. The way that uh, we're called to be in submission to one another with a Christ-like love and, 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 and submission, that's there in Scripture. So how will this help our groups? I truly believe if we focus on Jesus Christ, his example, and offering each other a love in submission to one another, we will find that unity, rather than being something we sort of uh, tick the box or focus on and say, aha, there it is, we've got it now, rather than unity being something like that, Unity will be something that genuinely grows and flourishes and flowers and becomes a beautiful thing to the glory of God because we have an attitude of submission to one another, out of love for one another, and security in our Heavenly Father. Let me know what you think of these thoughts. I would be very, very interested. So please do. Hope that's helpful. Let me know what you think. Take care and 